With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, welcome back to a kind of quick Buckeye talk. Doug Lamery's Tim Bielek, Bill Landis, and the Ohio State Press Box. We're trying to knock this out before we have to leave because we were going to do it in the car, but it's kind of windy, and Landis was worried about the wind in the car. So we have a bunch of questions from you guys. That game was terrible. I say the game at Maryland last year was one of the worst games I ever covered just in terms of, like, it's boring, the opponent can't keep up, it's not that exciting. This was in that realm, this 52-14 to win, that if it hadn't been bad weather, it could have been 80 to nothing. Uh, give me a 10-second answer on how bad this was. Uh, this game had the threat of a weather delay hanging over it from the start, and that didn't happen, so it gets bonus points for that. So I thought it was okay. I think the Maryland game was worse because I get to sleep in my own bed tonight. I mean, they were up 38-0 at halftime. The start, the starting offense got pulled late in the second quarter. I think that says everything. You know, if they had played longer, they would have probably gotten into the 60s, probably even the 70s. All right. Let's get to the questions. We have Eloy Hernandez jumping in to answer questions again that we, we put out the call for Buckeye Talk questions. Go to Eric Bronstein. Always has some good questions. Ebron, S-T-E on Twitter. Can we confirm that Chris Worley should never have been moved to the inside? What do you think the linebacker lineup will be next week, assuming everyone is healthy? They had to do it. They Tough Borland, as a redshirt freshman who had never played, you were not going to insert him as a starter with the people you had back. You had Worley, Baker, and Booker back as veteran linebackers. Those had to be your three starters at the beginning of the season. They're all outside linebackers, and one of them had to play in the middle. Mm-hmm. And Worley, as the heart and soul of the defense, was the most logical guy to play in the middle. So I, I, any revisionist history of like, oh, man, oh, uh, I guess that the coaches were too stupid to real every it was you had to do it. So I tweeted this during the game. That was the the lineup you had to do at the beginning of the season was Worley in the middle, Baker and Booker outside. The lineup you have to have now is Borland in the middle, Worley and Baker outside. Is there any other discussion about that? No, nope, I think that's it. I I don't know what they do when Booker comes back if he comes back. He wasn't I don't even think he was in the stadium again today. Um, but, yeah, that, those are your three. Uh, Malik Harrison sprinkles in, plays some in nickel. But, yeah, this is Borland flanked by Worley and Baker is it moving forward. And how good do you guys think that group can be? People are asking, is that what it's going to be? But we've seen a, kind of a higher level of play. Tim, how good do you think that group of three can be? I think they can be very good. I think Borland is more of your prototypical middle linebacker than Worley. And Worley is, as we saw last year and we've seen the last two weeks, is just more comfortable on the outside. And, that also takes a little pressure as well. If Jerome Baker, that kind of lets him do his thing a little more, knowing you mm-hmm. got your prototypical run stopper in the middle and tough Borland. Really looked awesome today. And I know, like, Illinois stinks. Illinois is really, really bad. 
I, Chris Worley looks so natural to me as an outside linebacker. And he won't admit it, and I get why he won't admit it. And I asked him after the game today. I'm going to write a little bit about it on Sunday. Like, he's not thinking about the NFL, but he knows what it means when he can show the NFL that he can play three different linebacker spots. Oh, yeah. He's not. Yeah. He's not dumb. He knows what's up. Yeah. Um, John Macon at JA Macon 7. You've talked a lot about the passing game progression from bubble screens, mesh routes, and deep passes. Today we saw the new wrinkle of bubble screens to the motioning H-back. What's going to be the next progression? Is there anything left? Is there anything else you want to – because you know what else I'm seeing? We, we got the stat book out. Tim suggested it. We were smart to get the stat book out. Let me look at the receiving yardage. Uh, J.K. Dobbins only had one reception. I thought he had more than that. You know what the progression is that I'm thinking about for next year? You know how Penn State – when teams were selling out to stop Saquon Barkley this year, threw the ball to Saquon Barkley a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a reality for J.K. Dobbins the next two years. I think Ohio State over the next two years, this is not next week necessarily, but it could be, is going to throw the ball to J.K. Dobbins a lot because he can catch it and you get him in the open field. And if you're facing an eight-man box, you got to do something. But you want the ball in that guy's hands. And to me, they're showing a little bit of a tendency and desire to do that. They don't have to do it a ton. But if a defense forced them into a spot to do it a ton, I think that could be the next progression. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And the thing that makes it a little different for Ohio State, I think, is when you're putting Paris Campbell and K.J. Hill in the slot, you're putting like quasi-running backs in the slot already. Um, but if I'm Ohio State going into a game against Michigan, I'm going to make Michigan prove to me that it learned how to cover a running back in the slot because it could not do it against Penn State. And J.K. Dobbins definitely looks pretty natural as a receiving running back. You know, I mean, there were questions I don't know if Mike, about Mike Weber's ability to do that. I mean, Weber has some good catches, but Dobbins just looks more natural as a pass-catching running back. I think he can do more. Weber, usually when he's out in the pattern, he's just like catching a check down at the line of scrimmage. I think J.K. Dobbins can like get behind the defense and do some stuff. Chris McCormick at Crease 23. After Haskins fumbled and then threw a touchdown, Urban grabbed Haskins' face mask when he got to the sideline and gave him a talk. What do you think he said? I didn't see this happen. Did you guys see this happen? I did not see it happen. So I guess he's asking, he's saying Haskins fumbled, and then when he came back later and threw a touchdown, that's when Urban got it in his face. So it probably was more like a motivational thing. Yeah. But so And Urban so. talked about that after the game, that he was impressed. He was he was he said the word pissed. He was super mad about the fumble. That's why he put all these starters back in. Bill wrote a story about it. Just give him a little tease for the story you have up. Yeah, so uh the offensive lineman had cut off their tape, I'm assuming at halftime. JT Barrett didn't have his knee brace on, and then all of a sudden River Meyer said, You're all going back in the game. So they weren't ready. And to their credit, like they ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, yeah, but they were not – like, JT Barrett said he wasn't shocked because Urban Meyer, I guess, is known to put his starters back in, although I don't think he's ever done that here. I don't – at least not in the time I've been covering the team. Um, and Billy Price, like, seemed actually a little upset about it because he had taken his tape off, and that's a big deal, especially, like, for ankle support in the rain when you got to go run block people. Oh, when I when I did, like, a two-hour, an hour-and-a-half interview with Billy Price, he took me through his taping regimen yeah. before a game. He said he broke, I think, both his – thumbs in middle school or something he has a very specific taping regimen both for his hands and his ankles and i'm sure that like that would tick him off and it is regimen right regimen is the army thing regimen Regiment, is the th- thing yeah. you do to get ready yeah, yes yeah regimen's the process regimen's like the group of soldiers it makes me embarrassed when i say and talk and write words for a living and i don't know how to use them correctly but i, do that all I the time. find that i don't know sometimes well, lots of people do that. I think that's just normal but we're professionals tim so, so. professional wordsmith so that i could see because like it's a little not that it's dangerous but it's like there's a reason you do all that stuff yeah yeah for sure. i asked yeah. marco jones like do you play more tentatively when you know you're not taped up and he said no 
he first he said no, but then he admitted like, you know what, it was kind of weird because it is like I'm, I'm a large man who's played sports and I like to have ankle support, and I can't imagine being out there on a super wet field without like uh, much of the support. Like they sell their knee braces on, I guess, which are a big deal, but not having ankle support to me is pretty major and, and for those of you that watched the game i was out in the rain at the end of the game it is worse than it looked on television i can promise you right now i was out on the field shooting carmen ohio post game it was brutal yeah it was just like so you were drying yourself off with napkins in the name of getting the video for clothing.com yes that's how, that's how i roll i'm like not that it. dedicated so i'm glad you were all right so what do we think let's play what urban said to Dwayne haskins so we're saying it we're assuming it's some kind of motivational thing he's made the mistake but now he's come back from the mistake what is Urban saying to Dwayne Haskins on the sideline? Uh, probably still something about the fumble. I would like. I think those are the kind of things that stick with him. Those are the kind of things that Dwayne, he would want Dwayne Haskins remembering to hold on to the ball more tightly and not give Illinois a touchdown and let them back in the game somewhat. So I don't think it was like, hey, Dwayne, good job. I think it was like, hey, Dwayne, see what happens when you hold on to the ball. That was exactly what I was about to say. And Haskins is, a, is in an interesting position because he's putting the, his, himself – getting himself a resume for the 2018 quarterback battle, which we'll talk about so much at the end of the season and into the spring and summer about that. He's putting that resume out there. His resume is reason why he should be QB1 next fall. And I think it's Urban telling him, like, my starting my starting quarterback cannot turn the football over like you did. Like, nice job throwing the touchdown, but protect the football. I'm going to guess that he said, damn. And I think he might have said something worse than that. What? Yeah. Um, but I think that's part of it is, like, is sort of the idea of like you can be great, you can be great if you cut this crap out. Because he's had a couple loose interceptions this year that Urban didn't like, and I think there's going to be a reality that you're going to have to deal with with Dwayne Haskins. Of he's going to turn it over more than JT Barrett because JT Barrett doesn't turn it over hardly at all, except when he plays Iowa. Um, <laughs> but you're going to get some upside out of that. But you can't have the downside wipe out the upside. Yeah. yeah. So I think that is a reminder that Urban Meyer is going to give. Dwayne Haskins now and in the spring and in the summer and in preseason and in the first game of the year, September 1st, 2018 against Oregon State. That's a reality that they're going to have to work out together because you don't want to you don't want to take away that guy's playmaking ability. But Urban is not going to be able to live with a loose quarterback who, who's loose with the ball. No, but I, I did think it was telling me to put him back in, though. He put Burrow in for a series and took him out. And Burrow was healthy. We were told this week he's healthy. So that wasn't like Burrow wasn't good to go. That was, I'm going to give Dwayne another shot. All right, I want to do a brief Baker Mayfield rant. We'll go Chris McCormick again with the question. What would the response be if JT Barrett acted like Baker Mayfield? Makes me appreciate who JT is and all he gave to OSU. Baker Mayfield, if you don't know, <laughs> um, gestured toward the Kansas players or sideline grabbed his crotch said the f word uh-huh. um but i don't apparently uh, he took a shot from kansas during the game and then in the pregame he, he went hands. he went to shake their hands and like i don't know what happened if it was a miscommunication but or something but he stuck out his hand to shake hands and nobody from kansas looked at him removed the and kansas player he extended his hand to one of the kansas captains and that kansas captain kept his hands behind his back and even the two little kids who were there for kansas not they didn't shake his hand he either so, and then he like threw his arms in the air, like, oh, so that's how it's going to be. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, Baker Mayfield's going to drop 100 on Kansas today. <laughs> so, here's my thing I don't care. Like, people, if you're outraged that Baker Mayfield grabbed his crotch at the sideline, like, it's sports, man. Yeah. And Kansas started it. <laughs> and I know you're supposed to be an example for all the kids out there, and he apologized after the game and whatever. But you know what? You know who loves Baker Mayfield? His teammates. 
his coaches. You want that guy on your side, okay? So if we're going to pretend in this world that we live in, we are going to pretend that a college football quarterback grabbing his crotch at, the, at an opponent who started the disrespect is like the worst thing you've ever seen. It's so stupid. There are people who do so much worse stuff. There are players that... I mean, like, there are players who are accused of crimes and stuff. And I also know that Baker Mayfield tried to run from the cops when he was drunk. That's worse. Yeah. Ran into a wall, right? Ran into a wall. (laughs) So, like, I just had no time. I said I was going to – if I could have muted my timeline of, like, Baker Mayfield fake outrage, I would have done it. So, like, yes, appreciate JT Barrett. Like, JT Barrett is, like, almost hard to believe with the way he handles his business. He is such a good representative of Ohio State. Nobody would ever dispute that. He also did have a DUI in his career, and that's part of his resume. But this kind of stuff from Mayfield, he, he would never do in a million years. But you know what? There are some other quarterbacks on this roster who might. Mm-hmm. So I would hold your stones in case you are inhabiting a glass house for the next three years. Was that an intentional play on words? Hold your stones. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well played, Mauer. Oh, man. Yeah. I would pull a Baker Mayfield yeah. and hold your stones because uh, you don't know what world you're going to be living in. And you know what? I, I don't know very much about Dwayne Haskins and, and Tate Martell, but I imagine they're a little different than JT Barrett. I think they got a little more zing-a-ling-ding-a-ring-ding, mm-hmm. which is fine. And you're going to like it, and their teammates are going to like it, and it might drive Urban Meyer a little bit crazy, but let's hold off on the um, – that's the worst thing you've ever seen, and it will might cost him Heisman votes and anything else because it's just ridiculous. Yeah, my thought on that is I don't think swagger is a bad thing, and I think it all comes down to performance to me. Like, if you have a guy who's kind of like a mediocre quarterback as a quiet guy, like, man, I want to see some passion out of the guy. I want him to be angry when he makes mistakes. I want him to get on his teammates. I want him to fire his teammates up. And then you have a guy in Oklahoma who's putting up massive numbers you know he does some crazy things we called him a crazy person on countless occasions but he backs Trademark. it up he backs it up with the way he plays because he might be the best player in the country and what did you tweet when you saw the mayfield video uh that the browns need to draft him something along those lines yeah you're yeah. like go get him browns yeah. you tagged the browns <laughs> oh, i said it. <laughs> i said at browns make this happen i think yeah that's what I said. So, like, again, by the way, if you happen to be listening to this and you're a Browns fan, he might be your guy. And you know what? If a Steeler refuses to shake his hand when he's the Browns quarterback, that's exactly what you want your guy to do. Like, go live in the fantasy world of, like, oh, well, you know, we all handle ourselves with class. It's sports, man. Mm -hmm. So, like, everybody needs to lighten up a little bit. But that's the way it works. And when that guy's on your side, you love him. And when he's not on your side, you hate him. And he planted a flag in Ohio Stadium. But guess what? He's the best player in the country. He's going to win the Heisman. And his team's going to be in the playoff. And he might be the number one pick in the draft. Prepare for an obscure movie reference. You know, personality-wise, who reminds me of a little bit? I Woody don't. from Toy Story? <laughs> no. <laughs> Willie Beeman from Any Given Sunday. I, really, I Believe it or not, I have not seen that movie. I haven't seen it either. I but, nod my head to the references because I feel like as yeah. a football writer, I should have seen it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's an Oliver Stone movie, so it's kind of over-dramatized. But, you know, it's Jamie Foxx's character is kind of a... A personality. He's a he's a young gunslinger. Got a little bit of an attitude issue. By the end, he he kind of calms down into the guy that Al Pacino wants him to be. I don't want that. No, no. As far as like he, he, he's not as out of control, but he plays that crazy style. And if there was ever a Willie Beeman, I think it's Baker Mayfield. 
Tyler Shoemaker, loyal listener at Buckeye Tie 23. And we have a, I have a second question that's going to be part of this, too. Does your impression of Wisconsin change after the, today's sluggish win over Michigan? What did your vi- How are you vibing on Wisconsin? Were you surprised by any of that, or is that sort of what you expected out of Wisconsin? That's about what I expected, I guess. Um, they pulled away a little bit. I know Michigan lost its quarterback. I thought that was going to be like a one-score game all the way, and it ended up not being the case. Um, they had a few more big plays than I thought maybe they were capable of. Um, Alex Hornerbrook does not scare me at all. I don't think he can throw. Um, but they can run the ball. Taylor's good. Their offensive line's always good. So they're about what I would expect them. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. I, my impression, honestly, though, has not changed because I think, you know, Wisconsin's the same team we've seen all season. And I said this in the Big Ten Power Rankings that Michigan with Brandon Peters is a different team, but him being injured changed that game. They had to go back to John O'Corn, a quarterback, and that offense couldn't do anything when O'Corn was back in the game. Peters is in. Who knows how, who knows how that game could have turned? Maybe he would have found a way to get Michigan a win and pull off the upset in Camp Randall. We could be talking something very different about Saturday's game. Uh, I thought watching the parts of that game that I watched, my one impression was I don't think either of those teams can beat Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Uh, my other was Wisconsin is not one of the four best teams in the country. So I, I get that everyone's writing the stories about, oh, poor disrespected Wisconsin. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, your division stinks. Your non-conference schedule stinks. And you don't look that good. Like, you look fine. You get credit for winning. I get it. If they were in the East and they had played Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State, I guarantee they would not be undefeated. Yeah. There is no way they would be undefeated. So, like, we can pretend and act like it's all an affront to Wisconsin, but let's live in the world. I prefer to live in the world. And the world says that is not one of the four best teams in the country. Now, that said, they did beat Michigan. They certainly could beat Ohio State. Mm -hmm. But if that happens, this is what's going to happen. For the third straight year, a Big Ten team that is not one of the four best teams in the country is going to get to the playoff and get obliterated. (laughs) It was Michigan State in 2015 when they were not really one of the four best teams. But they earned their way in. Ohio State was. They didn't get there. 2016, Ohio State was not one of the four best teams. They got smoked. And that is what is lined up for the Big Ten if Wisconsin somehow gets there. But when I see Wisconsin, I don't see a team that I think can hang with Ohio State. No, I don't. I feel the same way about especially like cornerbook throwing that I felt about Jake Browning throwing against Alabama last year. I don't, I don't think Wisconsin can score a point on a team like Alabama. I think they could score on Ohio State because I don't think Ohio State's defense is great on that level. But... Yeah, they're, they're not a playoff team. And I don't say that thinking that Ohio State is for sure one of the four best teams in the country, because I'm not ready to say that yet, but I am pretty certain that Wisconsin is not. So let's set this, your predicted line for the Big Ten Championship. And again, just if you don't know this, it is set. Mm-hmm. It is Wisconsin versus Ohio State. I'm going to put up a story on this Sunday. We finally got it right. The preseason <laughs> Cleveland.com poll of Big Ten writers that is notoriously awful. We, the, the overwhelming favorites in that poll and in everywhere else were Ohio State and Wisconsin, and they actually both made it. So congrats to everyone who I talked to who voted for the obvious thing and finally were correct. <laughs> what is your line? Let's all think it in our head. What would the line be for the Big Ten Championship? We think it in our head, and on the count of three, we're not going to say it at the same time. That would be a bad podcast. <laughs> Landis, what's your number? Thirteen. Landis, or Bielek, what's your number? Ohio State minus nine and a half. I was going to say eight and a half. Mr. Uh, Mr. What's your number? 
Ari's sitting here listening to us. He's more of a more of an expert on lines than any of us. What you know, is your number you, for Ohio State, Wisconsin? Have you ever been like in a situation where like all you want to be like a cool kid in high school and like all these people are like playing basketball and then you sit on the bench <laughs> near like the court waiting for them to call you into the game to play? That was the last five minutes of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but you got called in off the bench. Right? I have some thoughts on everything you're saying as always, but I think that the. Wisconsin, Ohio State spread. Vegas is not stupid. I would not be surprised if it was like 13 and a half or even 14 and a half. Nice. Nailed it. What really? did you say? 13. They were both, they were both eight and The eight, same nine. reason why they were 17-point favorites against Michigan State. Yeah. If it's a fake good team in the world that Doug wants to live in, Vegas is aware of who a fake good team is. Wisconsin's fake good. That's what the spread's going to be. Um, Out. DeLillo has a question. If Mike Weber, Doug DeLillo, loyal listener and, and tweeter. If Mike Weber was healthy all season as he is now, would Ohio State's record be different if they leaned heavier on the duo of Weber and Dobbins? Or do you think they're still sitting at two losses? Do you think the gap between Dobbins and Weber is as big as before? I think there's a lot to impact there. Let's start yeah. at the back first. At the beginning of the year, it was like we thought that there was a possibility that J.K. Dobbins could win this job because we. I think the whole time we said Mike Weber is good, not great, good, not great, good, not great. We thought J.K. Dobbins could be great. We didn't think he'd get 29 carries in the opener. I don't think we necessarily saw this, but we knew how good Dobbins was. What do you think is the gap between Dobbins and Weber right now? I think it's gone down a little bit in the last couple of weeks, and it's because we've seen Mike Weber get to a gear that we didn't think he could have. He's had three touchdowns of 40-plus yards in the last two games. Michigan State, he just simply ran away from everybody on two consecutive touchdowns against Illinois. He threw a guy off him for about the 43-yard touchdown that really broke the game open. There's still a gap there. I think it's still Dobbins 1 and Weber 2, but I think it's a little slimmer, and it's because Weber has got more speed to go with that power. I think Weber is as fast as J.K. Dobbins. Is that correct? And I think there are 40 times where, like, Weber's, like, almost 4-4 and Dobbins is a lower 4-3, according to Ohio State's numbers. Um, but I think they're about the same straight line speed. What Dobbins has more horizontal move to him, a little more shake, a little more elusiveness, I think. Is there anything these, these hits that Mike Weber's had the past two weeks right through the middle of the line and gone? Wouldn't Dobbins have done that on the same play? Is there anything that he's doing on those plays that if J.K. Dobbins were in the game at that moment and it was the same run call – that Dobbins wouldn't have run for 80 yards or 40 yards or 40 yards, whatever it was. What was his one today? 44, I think. He had Last week he had like a 40 – he had a 43 today. Last week he had like a 47, 47 and an 82. And 82. Mm-hmm. If Dobbins was in the game at those moments, would Dobbins have runs at 82, 47, and 43? Or is there something about Weber that's better at, at that play? I think he's Weber's a little more downhill. And I, I, I say that I don't think J.K. Dobbins has danced in the backfield really ever this year. But um, it's fun. like Chip Kelly always just talked about like a one cut back. I want a one cut back, which means I'm making one cut and then I'm getting vertical. And I think that's Mike Weber. Um, so maybe he is a little more um, built for for busting a long run on those just basically run straight up the middle where there's a where there's an opening and you make one step to the other left or right and you're gone. Sounds like the kind of the prototypical Mike Shanahan type of running back. You know, he valued those guys who were the one cut and go. And Weber is so authoritative, authoritative at that. It just mm-hmm. take being decisive and just going that that's not to say Dobbins isn't I think Dobbins is very elusive he's just not as authoritative and that's fine considering he's more he's got like you said Bill a little more shake to his game he can afford to be a little more 
elusive and make make those kind of decisions and be a little more patient. I don't think Weber is going to turn a loss into a game very often, and Dobbins usually does. I don't think... I think if J.K. Dobbins had been in the game, he would have done exactly what Mike Weber did. I feel like they called different run calls for them, that for whatever reason, they pop Weber up the middle like that a little more. They get J.K. on the edge a little bit more. Um, I don't think there's anything about that that J.K. wouldn't have done. And J.K. does have that ability when there's when there's a guy in his way to make those jump cuts in the hole, but I don't think Weber has that ability. He had some great jump cuts on Saturday. And I don't think – I think – I still think J.K.'s faster. I think it's really close. It's closer than I would have thought it was. Yeah. I'm just like – and it's like you can't take anything away from Mike Weber. He's playing really well. Those were giant holes. Some of those holes he's hitting are like they are blocking it up perfectly. Yeah, I think there's something to be say. Like, he did not run away from people last year, and he's doing that now. The 82-yard thing last week, untouched. Yeah. Yeah, there, it was a great block, I think, by Michael Jordan that really created that hole. And I think what he's done is a credit to Mike Weber himself. I mean, Urban talked about how close Weber was to, you know, being shut down for the season and needing surgery. He comes back, and he just he looks like a much more explosive guy than we've ever seen. Probably I, you guys have seen. But I definitely think J.K. Dobbins is still better. Yeah. I think if they gave the ball to J.K. Dobbins every play, they'd be better. Like not, I'm not trying to do this to like take away from Mike Weber, but it's just like it's just a little odd to me that all of a sudden it's like, wow, Mike Weber, and it's like, yeah, he's still the second best running back on the team, though. I think. I yeah, I'd agree with. I do. I think he is much better than I thought he'd be. No, he is. He is. But I also think part of the reason he's better is because he's not carrying it 25 times. Mm -hmm. He's not carrying it 20 times a game. Yeah, right. He had 11 carries for 108 yards today. Like. They are making him better the way they're using him, which is the whole point, which is why you have two backs. And I had the stat this week. The stats of Weber and Dobbins combined coming into this game were basically exactly the same as Ezekiel Elliott's stats alone in 2015. And now they had more today. They had 23 carries for 159 yards and three touchdowns today. So if you just count them as like one workhorse back, and there's no reason you shouldn't, they're never in the game together. Yeah. It's just an either-or taking turns. They are like a an All-American level back. They would, if they were one person, they'd be fourth in the nation in rushing. Mm -hmm. And they may as well be one person. So um, I would just, I'm, I'm going to like, I feel like people are on the like, the wow, Mike Weber's like an All-American called. I'm, I'm like dialing back the Mike Weber stuff like, 20%, that's all. But he is better than I thought he was. So the second part of this is, and then we're going to wrap it up, is if Weber had been healthy, would anything have changed in what they're doing, in the way they lost? I say no. They were going to throw this year. They had to throw. They were dedicated to throwing. They've tried to be a run-only team before, and it didn't work. Um, I don't think that really is it. I think... Because they have Dobbins. Mm -hmm. They had Dob Dobbins ran crazy. He ran for 181 yards in the opener, and he could have done that against Oklahoma if they if they used him that way. He had half as many carries, or if they would have been able to do it. If they would have had a healthy Mike Weber, it's not like they would have said, oh, well, well now we'll run it more. They already had a guy who just run for 181 yards. Yeah, he Weber did run it all right against Oklahoma. I think he had three carries, and I think he took one like 17 yards, and then I, he tweaked his hamstring again. And I believe he came back into the game, but he didn't, touch, he didn't carry the ball again after that. Um, I think maybe that game could have been a little different. I still don't think they would have won because, like you said, they were dedicated to throwing and not dedicated to the run. And then he was healthy, I think, against Iowa. And, like, they just didn't run the ball. So I, I don't think their game plan would have changed in either game because Wimber was healthy. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I think it was just, like you said, like you said, Doug, just kind of the emphasis on wanting to be to prove to yourself that you're a running team. Maybe they kind of got away from 
what their identity's been the last two weeks since what's worked well is run first and just rely on your two really good running backs to make things happen. Let me. I'm going to throw this in real quick. Gene Nilly asked this during the game when I was making the point about you had to start with those three linebackers at the beginning of the year. You have to go with the linebackers the way they look now. He said, should I, Should they have made that switch before Iowa, implying would it have made a difference? If they had gone to Borland in the middle, Worley and Baker outside for the Iowa game when the linebackers again had a bad game, hmm. is, is that enough of a point of like, yeah, they figured it out now, but they figured it out too late when maybe it should have been obvious to them earlier. And if they had made the switch earlier, maybe that would have changed that Iowa game. Is that a point or no? Maybe. I, I do feel like uh, they're a little better or have been a little better in their gaps against the run game, especially against Michigan State. Now, I, I just feel like that was a product of not being that way against Iowa. And I don't know if putting tough Borland in the middle of the defense would have changed the fact that they were really undisciplined against Iowa. Um, so, no. No, I don't think so. I think that was just a bad game plan and an in, inability to adjust um, and then a defensive line that wasn't getting pressure. And I think in a way, you know, I don't know if you could have started Tough Borland after Penn State because he really only had the one impact game before Michigan State, and that was against Army when we thought initially that, you know, his tackling was just a product of the way Army's offense was, the full ba- just tackling the fullback whenever he came through with the football. When against Michigan State, you realize maybe he's a little more than that. That's when you feel like in-game performance, he earned he earned a star like he did today. And that's probably the situation where you want a guy to earn his starts. And starting him after you had just come back from a win would seem kind of weird to me. He would he probably, I mean, he would still play no matter what. But I, I do think it would. I don't think it would change anything honestly either. I don't know what to think, but I blame Bill Davis. All right, um, <laughs> he's Tim. He's Bill. I'm Doug. Thanks for listening. We're gonna hit, of course, our podcast in the middle of the week is gonna be all about Michigan. Um, we didn't want to get too far into that now. Um, but Ohio State is in good shape. They're nine and two. They're seven and one. It feels like they're playing well. Um, compared to where they were after Iowa, I think you they, you wouldn't you couldn't have asked anything more for the, for where they are now heading into the Michigan game. Um, and as the the team that knows it's going to go um, to the Big Ten championship game, so we'll have a ton of coverage this week. Thanks as always to you guys for listening. Subscribe on iTunes and anywhere else. Follow us on Twitter at Tim Bielek, at Doug Lane Maurice, at Bill Landis25. And please go read our stories at cleveland.com slash OSU. So for Tim, for Bill, I'm Doug. And we see you there, Ari. I'll say for Ari too. <laughs> that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>